Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. So last week, um, I said that I would start to look a little bit more about mental health. And the more I look at mental health, the more I can't get away from purpose. Because often we are dominated or oppressed in our minds just simply because we have no purpose. At least, even if you're not a believer, even if you don't believe in God or anything else, you just believe in the strength of yourself. If you've got purpose, you have more chance to overcome mental health issues and stuff because you've got something to get up for in the morning. And uh, who, who's ever fallen in love? Anybody? I remember seeing Shelly for the first time, and that, I cocked an eye at her, and she cocked an eye at me, and we sat there cock-eyed for a while. <laughs> and, uh, but, but I remember, I remember falling in love. She wasn't the first person I'd fallen in love with. I used to practice falling in love every weekend. <laughs> I loved that feeling of falling in love. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, that kind of love at first sight. In a nightclub, I saw this, this one, she was beautiful, really long girl, and I just thought, you are beautiful, I fell in love with you, it was a bloke. <laughs> when lights came up, it was a bloke, anyway, I'm just saying, that feeling of falling in love is a beautiful feeling, and people can't get over it, and that's why they go from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next. Why? Because they love that feeling of falling in love. Who's ever been made redundant? Or even worse, who's ever been sacked? Both. <laughs> but it's, and it's a horrible feeling, especially when you've been made redundant. That's a, that's a depressing feeling, yeah? And so many, I mean, you think of the coal mines in Yorkshire that, uh, that, that had to close under Margaret Thatcher. And, and some communities never recovered. Why? Because of the mindsets. But you see, they were overwhelmed, their jobs, their livelihood, everything they'd lived for, the thing that was the center of the community had gone. And they're overwhelmed. That's a horrible, horrible feeling, yeah? Who's ever bought something that they really like? It could, for some of you techies, it could be a computer. It's like, oof, an Apple Mac or an Apple, uh, a Mac, a Mac, uh, Big Mac, whatever, one of them. Some of you, it's a house. Who, who can remember buying the first home? Yeah. Everyone thinks, it's amazing. It's not, I was terrified when I got our first home. I'm thinking, we'll never afford the repayments on this £24,000 mortgage. <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? You know, I once got offered an house for £2,000. And I didn't buy it because of fear. Every day I wake up with that regret. It hurts me. <laughs> so... So when you buy a new house and you're thinking, oh, we're going to do this, we're gonna, curtains are going to be there, we're going to have these carpets, we're going to have this, that, and the other. And uh, that's, a, that's a great feeling. And, and if we're not careful, we keep going for feelings. But do you know what? Where do them feelings come from? The feeling is inside of you. It's already there. And certain situations in your life press that button, and all of a sudden the happy feeling comes. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I've, I've uh, you know, talked about in marriage, when marriage gets dull, sometimes marriage gets dull, sometimes it gets boring, it gets monotonous and repetitive. You're all going, yes, yes. <laughs> so you've got to learn to reinvent. 
You've got to learn to reinvigorate. You know, loving somebody and, and wanting the best for them in the marriage doesn't mean it has to be dull and boring. It doesn't. You can introduce exciting things. Yeah. I'm not going into detail, but you can. <laughs> like leave the window open. You can hear the wind outside. <laughs> anyway, just saying. <laughs> and your wife say, let me back in. <laughs> no. So, the point is, is that the feelings are already on the inside. We make the mistake of chasing somebody to go and press or something to press that feeling button again. But you see, that leads us to dangerous stuff. Chasing in terms of materialism, changing in terms of relationship. Is it any wonder our mental health or the mental health of our nation is struggling? I mean, really struggling. And, um, and so I want to speak into that, but I want to say this. There's nothing going on in your mind and in your life that's attacking your mind that Jesus cannot fix. And I say that unashamedly. Uh, there's a, a story, a true story in the Bible of a man who didn't just have mind monsters. He had monsters living on the inside of him, demons, demonic things, yeah, fallen angels. And it says this. They sailed to the region, Jesus and his disciples sailed to the region of the Gerasenes. Who's heard the story of Jesus and the disciples getting into the boat? They got across the, 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 the lake and then a storm came and it nearly killed them. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus gets up, rebuked the wind and the waves and the peace came because Jesus is full of peace. He, he, he spoke peace. You can only speak peace when you're full of it. You can only give what you've got. If you don't have peace, you can't give it. I want a church that knows how to have peace. I want, I want a church that knows how to have raw energy because you can only give what you've got. And Jesus has got it all. He's the source. If I were talking fish and chips, he'd, he'd be the sauce bottle. He'd be the tomato ketchup, I'm telling you. If I don't get struck down by lightning by the end of this message, we'll be continuing this theme next week. <laughs> but, they sail, but you see, what was happening? People think, well, it was just a storm. No, it wasn't. Because behind that storm is what we call first causes. The devil knew what Jesus was up to, and he was trying to stop him. And so he had to try and get him drowned or whatever. That storm was a demonic thing coming at Jesus and the disciples. Sometimes we call mental illness mental illness. We try to treat it like mental illness when really it's a demonic thing. Just, I'm not saying everybody with mental illness has got a demon. I'm not saying that. But I am saying the demons come and speak to you and say you're rubbish. The demons come and speak to you and say, you are pathetic. The demons come and speak to you and say, you can't do that. The demons come and say, you have blown it. There is no chance you will ever get going again in life. And it renders you powerless. And so you've got to hear what I'm saying today because Jesus Christ can come and just with a word, calm the storm in your mind. Calm the storm in your heart. Not just for a day or a week or a month, but continually. So they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, the moment Jesus stepped ashore, this, the demons in this man reacted and came running aggressively to Jesus. He just, he just put his foot on it. And that's what Satan doesn't want. Because Satan had got this man locked up. Even the town council tried to chain him and he broke these chains, iron chains, he broke them. Such was the strength of the demonic power 
attacking this man's life. He lived amongst caves. And it wasn't even Halloween. He lived, the demons drove him, the Bible says, to lonely places. That's where a mental illness takes you. Lonely places. You don't want to get out of bed in the morning. You don't want to fight the fight of the day. You don't want to bring the kids up. You don't want to do what you know you're supposed to do. You are debilitated. And I'm saying today, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is stronger. Jesus is greater. There's no other. He doesn't have an equal. He doesn't. He is amazing. And Jesus comes with the disciples. And he, he stepped ashore. And he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time. Everyone say a long time. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in tombs. Everyone said odd. That's odd. But you see, he's totally messed up in his head. No longer behaving like somebody made in the image of God, but behaving like an animal. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied. Because we are many. I want to pause there and say, when Jesus said, what is your name? His sanity returned for a moment. He heard a voice that could penetrate the chaos in his mind and his soul. What is your name? And he went, Legion. And he was answering for himself for the first time. Legion. But that sanity didn't last but just a few moments, because then it says, for we are many. In another gospel, it says, my name is Legion, singular. And then you hear this other voice, for we are many. This is such a scary passage. As I break it open to you, you've got to understand that your life is not just made up of the physical and the mental but it's made up, and the physio physiological, it's made up of spiritual. And we don't know how to fight the spirit realm. You cannot fight the spirit realm with antidepressants. You can't. You can't. It's a spiritual remedy that you need. It's a spiritual solution that you need. What is your name? Legion, he replied, because we, because many demons had gone into him. Or in another translation for we are many. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. These are demons speaking through a person. So I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. oh, yes, you have. Yes, you have. You'll have heard it many times, but you don't know it's a demon. Who's had anybody just cut them dead in an odd fashion and cause an atmosphere and walk away, leaving you thinking, what, what, did I, what, what was that about? Strange. Who's ever had people come and get, give anger in, directed at you, and it's just like, what? This is, this is weird. This is strange. You've heard demons, you just don't know how to listen to them. You don't know when they're speaking. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and 
He gave them permission. Jesus had permission over spiritual beings. He just demonstrate, demonstrated authority over the natural elements like the wind and the waves. Jesus is the king of the universe. He's the creator. And when he speaks, everything listens. Yeah. He's powerful. Yeah. But you have to get this mindset in you. Otherwise, you'll have Jesus and a little bit of something else. And that something else doesn't happen. Faith, uh, uh, sorry, when, 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 when you, you add fear to your faith, you contaminate your faith. You can't have fear and faith at the same time. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. We need to live with a mindset of faith in Jesus. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. Because demons need to possess. They need a body to possess. And the herd rushed down the, the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. You know, that's the end result of Satan's tactics. He takes you into lonely places. Gets you into a cul-de-sac. Gets you on your own. Have you ever seen lions hunting? They look for the weakest. They look for the lame. They look for them that have been damaged. I'm not speaking to anybody today. And then they, 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 they just get it, get it away from the herd. And then they go in for the kill. And you know, Satan has said to too many people, why should you live? Nobody's bothered about you. You just need to die. You just need to kill yourself. And you know, that will speak volumes to lots of people who have hurt you. That will make them feel bad. So you go on top yourself. You say, that's not true. It is true. I've heard too many people. I've counseled too many people. I've done funerals of too many people who spoke like that before they died. And so this is a topic. And I will use humor because I won't come under the heaviness of stuff. But... I want to speak. I want this to be helpful to us. I hope it's. I hope we get it. I, has, has a curtain been drawn back for anybody today? And you're thinking, oh my life. Can we not just sing Kumbaya and go home? No. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. Can we not just talk about getting rich? You're really good when you talk like that, Dave. What's the being? What's the point of being rich when you're tormented? Don't mistake success, and uh, and what. what and satisfaction or, or completeness is a better word. They're not the same. You can have all the trappings of success and feel like you're dying every single day. And so don't, 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 be, uh, don't be misled. It says, Then all the people of that region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. Jesus doesn't force himself. The demoniac saw Jesus' front the town people saw his back. When they said leave, he went, fine, no problem. Where they go? I closed the church down because they didn't want us there. We sold the building. We had a 700-seater conference center. We were doing weddings and funerals, different things, mums and toddlers. We just closed the thing down, and we came away. And uh, I learned it from Jesus. He said, if people don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. And I know some Christians who do this, to go and shake the dust off their feet. I'm thinking, you're loonies, you lot. <laughs> We have tarmac here. Jesus had dust, dusty. You, you know, it's like you don't have to shake the dust off your feet. Just show them your back as you walk away. We're not forcing our way in. There's some, some situations we have to force our way in because we're, it's the inbreaking kingdom. They've never heard the gospel. But we went to a place where people were spouting the gospel and stuff. You thought, hey, knock yourselves out. We don't have to be here. We're on, we're on purpose. Yeah, yeah. And I'm serious about being on purpose. Yeah. I want this church to grow. 
Healthy things grow. If it's not growing, it's not healthy. Healthy things grow. Dinner parties, if they're not healthy, they won't grow. If they're not growing, they're not that healthy. So healthy things grow. There's two ways that we grow. We grow numerically, which is always exciting, but we always grow. Uh, we also grow on the inside, spiritually and mentally and physically strong. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. I love that. Jesus is putting him back in his context. Go home. Go back to your family. Go home. Whatever drove you away from your family has been removed. Go home. Make peace with people at home, with your family. The hardest place to be a Christian is in the family. Did you know that? Because they know you. They know you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. And I love them stories. I hope you're telling all over York what Jesus has done for you. I hope that this week, wouldn't it be great if every Christian, not just in global, but every Christian was going around York saying, I'm just so thrilled to be a Christian. Imagine that. Just saying, I'm not what I was. I'm not what I want to be. But you know what? I'm buzzing because I've got purpose. I've stepped out in faith and Jesus has changed my life. You don't have to be a recovering drug addict or anything like that to have a story. Your story is important. Whatever your story is. I've been a good living person, but you know, Jesus came into my life and I thought, wow, I've lived in black and white when I could have lived in technicolor. Okay. Jesus set this man free. It says that the man out of whom Jesus drove the demons was sat at Jesus' feet and fully clothed and in his right mind. That's another gospel. Sat at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and in his right mind. That's what happens when you meet with Jesus. He puts order into the orderless. Anyway, puts order in there. He puts purpose, he puts peace in the heart. The Bible says, people with their minds set on you, meaning God, you keep completely whole, steady on the feet, because they keep at it and don't quit. Depend on God and keep at it, because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. The NIV translation is that is this. God will keep in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him. It's fixing your mind on Jesus. When Peter got out the boat and walked on water, and it was a storm, but Jesus said, he seen Jesus walking on water, and he said, if it's you and not a ghost, bid me to come. And Jesus went, come. So he gets down off the boat, and he walks on the, on the water. And it's a storm, but he's walking on the water. He is on top. He's doing what he never thought possible to do. But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, and he looked at the wind and the waves, he began to sink. And the moment you take your eyes off Jesus, all these other mind monsters will come flooding back in. And we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And here's what happens. The longer you walk with Jesus, the mind monsters drop off. And when they come back, they are a joke. You are no longer intimidated by them. You're no longer fearful of them. You're thinking, I dealt with you years ago. It's great freedom. So I've got to tell you the truth. There are many reasons why people suffer from mental health, mental health issues. Often it's brought on by trauma, things that have happened to them in life, and they just cannot get their head around it. Confusion's another. 
upbringing, things happened in your childhood, in your teenage years that have affected you, the way you think, the environment you was brought up in. Guilt and shame torment us. Our sexuality confuses us so often. And, you know, and it doesn't help today when we talk fluid, because when you talk fluid, nothing's definite. And yet the Bible doesn't talk fluid. The Bible says he created them male and female. Now, that doesn't mean that people are not uh, uh, oriented sexually in, in, uh, in a different way. And so I, the reason I'm, I'm struggling for words is because I'm, I don't want to say born that way. Because there's no scientific reason that they were born that way. But maybe it's not a scientific reason. Maybe it's a, another reason. But one reason is this. One definite reason is this. Men like men and women like women. And that's how they've been from childhood. I'm just saying for that type of person. Other people were made that way. They weren't naturally like that. They were just got into a crowd of people and that was the kind of social norm. That's what they did. I know people like that. But what I'm saying is, is this. Whenever there's a problem, in the New Testament, whenever there was a problem in life, the first place they went to was not Hello Magazine or Cosmopolitan. It was the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures. And that's where you get clarity. That's what, and people say, well, it's just dogmatic and it's old-fashioned. Well, you came into this world in an old-fashioned way and you'll go out of this world in an old-fashioned way. Just because something's old-fashioned doesn't mean it's not true. One and one makes two. That's very old-fashioned. But that will never, ever change. But we got, so the New Testament, the guys that were, that, that were the early church, they would go back to the Scriptures first and then face the problem second. They didn't try to fit the Scriptures into the problem. They, what, they, what they did is they, they had a foundation of the Scriptures. Now they analyzed the problem through the Scriptures. And God can give you wisdom. And um, I know people that are gay, they've always been gay, but they've never practiced. And the Bible doesn't condemn the orientation of being gay. It condemns the practice because it's not good for you. It's not good for his purpose. That's probably the more important thing because his purpose is that you are fruitful. And two women can't make a baby and two men can't make a baby. And I know that through science, so we can do it in unnatural ways. Of course we can. But that's not the natural way. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that uh, we go back for clarity. But I know, I know some gay men, that they know they're gay, but they're believers. And, and what they've done is they've said, I give you my sexuality to God. And God can change that orientation. But sometimes they say, I am going to live without sex in my life for the rest of my life. I thought giving up drinking was tough when I first became. But out of respect for Jesus. And people like that understand this. That our short time on earth is almost like a title or a preface to a book. Compared to the chapters upon chapters upon chapters of eternity. We have elevated sex so much. That uh, I mean, the Victorians tried to play it all down. When we all knew what went on behind scenes when, you, when when that happens, but but they tried to play it all down. But you know, um, sex was meant to be not just for creating babies; it was meant to be enjoyed and celebrated. But we've took it beyond that, and 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 now it's like if I can't have sex, I can't live. Yeah, that was my quote the other week, actually. <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> but I'm just saying. And as we come into God's word, 
what happens is God's word will make you sting as well as make you sing. Because we are not lined up with God's word. And that's why when you read it, you think, oh gosh, I'm so far away from this. This is too harsh. That's what I thought when I first started reading the Bible. And then with the words of Jesus, I thought he was going to be a little bit more compassionate. But when you get to it, you realize how far away we have drifted. What's this got to do with mental health? Everything. Absolutely everything. That's why we say God's word, God's way. Because God's word is his manual for living. The Bible is not a book. It's a library of books. And it's God's word to mankind, not just to the Jews and not just to the Christians, but to the whole of mankind. If you want the best out of life, come and have a look at the manual. And you know what? We often we don't. And I'm like that with cars. I've never read a manual on cars. I still don't know how to change the time on my van. I've only had it 10 years. I keep thinking one day I'll get that out and I'll, I'll, I'll have a look. I'm driving down, I'm thinking, what time is it? Where's my phone? My phone's dead. I, was, I didn't put my watch on. And it says something like, you know, 11 o'clock at night when it's, I know it's 9 o'clock-ish in the morning. Anybody get in anything? Another thing that causes problems with our minds is being, trying to be something that you're not. And uh, many, again, I have to say, many people that are, are gay, they struggle because they're trying to, to, to show the family and everybody, I'm, I'm straight, but really they're gay. And they need releasing from that. They need releasing from that mindset. And as they go on that discovery of, if I am gay, then how, how do I figure this out in life? The Bible says this. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, it says, it says uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is the Lord who works in you both to will and to do. And you can't work out what God has not worked in. I want to be further on as a husband and as a dad and as a leader, but I'm not. I'm here. I, but I want to be further on. But if God hasn't worked that in me, if I, if, and, and we're co-workers with God, we, you, you know, we, we've got to desire it. But, but if God hasn't worked it in me, I can't work it out. It's just a pretense. And so we've got to just not just be students of the book, but we've got to be practitioners, people who are working with God. And I want to say to new believers, maybe today you, you're gay and you know that you're gay, and we're saying you're welcome. But we have to figure things out. I was promiscuous. But I was still welcome in church. And I, couldn't, and I was dangerous because, you know, people had daughters in church. And the daughters were really, you know, they hadn't been around town putting themselves out like I had. And it's like, and when I started going out with Shelley, the whole chapel was shivering. They were all quaking, thinking, oh my God, she is such a lovely girl. Look at this cretin that's come from Darwin. <laughs> you all right, everybody? all like, oh no, the disco God has arrived, <laughs> and you're thinking, and they loved me, and they accepted me, but they were straight with the scriptures, and, uh, but I went looking for it, and I had to change my sexuality, and I had to change from being promiscuous to being pure, and that's a tough call, on a young lad, that's a tough call, but the Bible says, that, you know, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, Psalm 119. But it also talks about young men. And it says, uh, it's good for a young man to bear the yoke uh, of commitment to God. It's good for him to bear the yoke while he's young. 
because then you train yourself in your sexuality how to, how to live right before God. And anybody knowing me as you watch me, you know, just by the way I talk, the way I am, you will know that I've had a promiscuous background because the scars are still there. There's, there's a way that I think, there is a way, and it's changing, it's changed so much, but it still needs to keep changing, yeah? So when I talk about being pure, what I mean is I stopped doing it, I, stopped, I turned the tap off, and then I got married, and, and I've, I, that tap has been turned off ever since, at least physically. Let me be honest with you, at least physically. And I know some of you men are going, oh, tut, tut, tut. Well, have you never had a funny thought? Have you never had a thought about somebody else? That's what we battle every day. And it's not because we're trying to be false. It's because we're fighting something that's not good for us. Promiscuity is not good for us. Sleeping around is not good for us. And so we all, but we have to start where we are. If you're promiscuous today, nobody's having a go at you. But I'm saying, line your life up. Come and find out what God's word says. Because that's where you'll find fulfillment. But the journey to getting God's word inside of you and working for you is a tough journey and you need each we need each other we need the church to help us to get there no condemnation free to fail belong before you believe all these things come out of a life of me and Shelley trying to make it happen wow I've just I've nearly got through my introduction and I've spent a little bit more time on some things than others. I'm just, I'm, for everything, I am just scratching the surface. But I'm giving you the direction this morning. Have how to get your mental health healed. Or mental health healthy. Or, uh, and how to get your thinking good. God's word, God's word. That's how we live life. And uh, my title, I didn't say what my title was, but my title was, was this. With Jesus, it's not, just a new st- it's not just a new start in life, but a new life to start with. With Jesus, it's not just a new start in life, but a new life to start with. Remember, God's fire is not against you. Regardless of what you've done, I'm going to look next week about shame. I'm going to look at, at uh, materialism. I'm going to look at all these things that attack our minds on a daily basis. Trying to please people, that's another one. It's a killer. I don't know a lot about mental health and, and stuff like that, uh, but I do know this. I don't have all the answers for mental health issues, but I know one thing. Trying to please everybody in life is really bad for your mental health. So we're going to have a look at some of them things next week. And uh, I haven't been struck down by a lightning so far, so it looks like I'll be on again. Uh, has that been helpful this morning? And uh, if, you've, if you've been coming to Global just for a short while, keep coming, because we will talk about these things. And people, especially at this time in life, People say, well, that offended me. Well, I'm not going there again. I, I can't believe they said that. If you can just pipe down and just come. Coming to a church like this is like learning French. You think it's a good idea till you come. And then when you come, they start talking. You don't fully get it. But if you keep coming, all of a sudden, that French language starts to become clear. It's Jim Appel, David Shaw, signing off this morning. <laughs> so... Just keep coming. And then you start to get it. And remember, we are fire. God is fire. But it's mental health issues that are against you. And when we isolate them and identify them, all of a sudden you know what you're battling. 
From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 